The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome to another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Once again, I am the namesake. Hard to believe this is the last week of regular season high school football in West Virginia. This time of the year flies so fast as we talked about last week and it feels that way each and every week. You get so into it each week, you do so much to get ready for it and then before you know it, it's gone and it's time to turn the page and flip to the next one. But either way, it's been a pleasure to be with you all season long. Of course, this is a podcast about high school football in the mid-Ohio Valley area. Let's take a look at last week's action and have some reactions to that before we get into some stuff from this week. A really cool moment in one of those games from last week I want to talk about a little further. I also want to take a look at last week's poll and talk about playoff sites and dates and also set up with this week's poll plus a preview of that South PHS game coming up this weekend. Parkersburg South fell from the ranks of the unbeaten. They're now 8-1 and one after the loss to Wheeling Park. Parkersburg South had a chance to tie this game late in the first half. The Patriots were stopped at the one-yard line as time expired. Brandon Penn was stopped. The Patriots got the ball back with 20 seconds to go in the half. Couldn't get into the end zone from about 20 yards out. Penn was stopped at the one. That would have given South the tying score going into the locker room pending the extra point. A pivotal score and a pivotal series for Parkersburg South, albeit a short one, because South didn't get the ball back at the start of the second half. Wheeling Park was set to receive the opening kick of the second half, and that was returned 90 yards by Sincere Sinclair for a touchdown. So at that point, you have South just a yard shy of tying the game, and instead, in two football plays of time, they go down two touchdowns, and they never really got back in schedule, though they did score a couple times in that second half. And I think you have to credit Parkersburg South for that. They didn't look phased down 15 points. They stayed in the game, but again, they had trouble against a good quarterback in Alex Dunleavy. He has four good receivers at his disposal, and that offense, I wouldn't say picked apart South's defense, but you know they threw for 170 yards and three touchdowns. But they got theirs, essentially. They did what they needed to do, and that opened up some room for the running game. But you have to credit Parkersburg South because a lot of teams, when faced with that kind of adversity, down for the first time all season and down 15 in the second half, they didn't give up, they didn't quit. The effort was still there for Parkersburg South, and I hate to say they ran out of time because I'm not sure that they were the better team on the field on Friday. Wheeling Park might very well have been the better team of the two. But Parkersburg South played well and I'm sure there's some things they'd like to take back in that game. Uh, Wheeling Park has a lot of size up front and that's a difficult matchup. Also, it's a secondary for Parkersburg South that has had a lot of different change coming into it throughout the year. Cyrus Traw is there and he wasn't at the beginning of the year. Donathan Taylor is there now and he wasn't at the beginning of the year. They're a little deeper in the secondary but still trying to figure things out and figure out how to defend four good receivers. That's a challenge for any team, much less a team like Parkersburg South that shuffled some pieces in that secondary. I think the biggest thing that Parkersburg South didn't do that could have led to a win is they didn't create a takeaway against Wheeling Park. Credit both teams are holding on to the football as well as they did last week. You kind of expect some of that in week 10, but at the same time, if you're going to beat a good team at their place, you need to get a takeaway or two, and that's something that South didn't do. The other really big game last week featured Doddridge County and Williamstown, and it was Doddridge County shutting down Williamstown 20-7. Williamstown running back Ty Moore held to just 53 yards. First time in several weeks he's not been over 200, much less 100. He stayed out of the end zone as Williamstown's only score came on a second quarter touchdown pass from Braden Modest to Mason Dean. Hunter America ran for two scores and 217 yards. Rare things to happen against Williamstown's defense. That's a defense that's done a good job of bottling up opponents' running games this year. Doddridge able to run for 264 yards against the Yellow Jackets. So now Williamstown 8-2. Their losses are to number one Doddridge County and preseason favorite Perennial 
perennial favorite and in some people's eyes still the favorite to win the Class A Wheeling Central. So that's not two bad losses, but if you're Williamstown, I think you, you definitely thought you should have had at least one, if not both of those games. So they're off this week and they'll heal up and I think this will serve as a good reset for Williamstown. I really think they'll be ready for the playoffs and I think they will use this week productively and be focused when the playoffs start next week. I know it's tough to have 10 games and then the bye week, but this is certainly an example of a time where it's not the worst thing to have happen. When you have a loss coming into those playoffs, it allows you some time to regroup. It allows you some time to heal up some of those minor injuries and this is a team that's got some injuries. We'll see how they come out after that bye week. Doddridge County, I think the defense is what you really have to pay attention to. Hunter America gets a lot of attention, and deservedly so, but that's an emerging team offensively around him. But how about the defense? That Bulldog defense allowed just seven points in the second half of the season. They shut out the four opponents prior to Williamstown, and then allowed Williamstown to score just one touchdown. That defense is for real, and I think you need to start looking at Dobbridge County as a serious state championship contender if you haven't already. I'll be honest, I wasn't there yet. I'm there now because of that defense, largely, and because you got a back like Hunter America, as long as they can keep in mind his feet and keep him healthy, they have a chance to go a really, really long way and maybe even win the whole thing. Parkersburg Catholic got a nice win on Thursday. They scored 66 points to defeat Webster County, and now they wait. They are not into the postseason. They come in at number 18 in this week's SSAC rankings in Class A. Tyler Consolidated also on the outside looking in. They're at 17. They rolled over Valley, so they also wait. Both of those teams, I think this has to be something that's frustrating for Parkersburg Catholic and Tyler Consolidated. They're probably better than, I would say, half the teams in that playoff field. They would probably win in games against half the teams in that playoff field field, and not all those teams are in the bottom half of the bracket either. And what's perhaps worse is they know it. They know it. That's got to be what's frustrating for both of those teams. Parkersburg Catholic and Tyler Consolidated not only are worthy playoff teams, but I think could win against a lot of teams in the first round if they were to get in. However, they'll have to wait and see how the scenarios play out. For Tyler Consolidated, they have a must-win game. They can take care of business as they face St. Mary's this weekend. Mark Rucker is rested for them, and that's perhaps the best asset they've got at their disposal. Rucker carried the ball just a handful of times against both Magnolia two weeks ago and Valley last week. They did get three touchdowns out of him, two on the ground and one as a receiver last week. But he's still fairly well rested compared to a lot of backs this time of year. He's had two weeks now where they have not had to put a lot of wear and tear on him. So compared to a lot of other backs, he's fairly fresh for what will be a must-win game against St. Mary's tonight. St. Mary's comes into that match with Tyler Consolidated off of their fourth straight win as they have won four in a row and in doing so, they have limited all four of those opponents to a touchdown. St. Mary's picked up a 27-6 win against Ravenswood. The Blue Devils are now 7-2 after that win. I was talking to our John Mike Nichols on Light Rock 93R about that win, and John Mike said the line play was as good for St. Mary's as it's been all season on the offensive line. He's an offensive line guy. He should know a thing or two about offensive line play. And he says St. Mary's is really finding their stride with that offensive line. The execution's there. The schemes are there. So it's the line that's driving St. Mary's right now because they don't really have a backfield horse for the first time in a while. It seems like when St. Mary's is good, they've always got somebody back there that you can depend on every week. It's been kind of a rotating cast of characters. We've seen Ben Long, William Steele, Brennan Boron even get looks as the primary ball carrier. Richard Dornan has been used. They've used a lot of different people in the backfield, and it's just a combination of what and who works. So St. Mary's getting enough offense to get it done, but the defense really plays for this Blue Devil team. Again, like I said, they've allowed single digits the last four games. They even got a pick six on a 33-yard touchdown return from 
Dylan Patterson after an interception. But the big question is going to be, can they stop Mark Rucker? A lot of the other teams in this area that have had to play Mark Rucker have also had to play Parkersburg Catholic's Jeb Boyce or Doddridge County's Hunter America or Williamstown's Ty Moore, who doesn't have the size of Rucker America or even Boyce somewhat, but still puts up the numbers. When you look at that, St. Mary's has only played the smallest of the three in Moore. So a lot of this area's top set of elite running backs at the small school level have not faced the Blue Devils, so they don't know what it's like to take down a Hunter America or a Mark Rucker or a Jeb Boyce even. They'll find out about Rucker on Friday, who combines speed, elusiveness, and strength with a good bit of size. So that's going to cause some matchup fits for St. Mary's. They're going to have to find a way to get multiple hats to the football. But that will be the crux of what that game comes down to, is can St. Mary's stop Mark Rucker? Line play will be a big factor, as it always is. It would be nice if someone could create a takeaway in that game, but can St. Mary's stop Mark Rucker? That's the whole shooting match right there. River knocked off Frontier, but both of those teams missed the playoffs, and it was actually River that finished ahead of Frontier. They were the one of the two that had a chance to get in, even though their record was 6-4 and four and Frontiers was 7-3. and three. The Cougars were hurt by two things. One, a schedule that was a little weaker than many other teams' schedules tend to be that get into the postseason. Valley, Cameron, Magnolia games that didn't really help the Frontier Cougars have enough points to qualify for the playoffs. And they were also hurt by that loss to Monroe Central a couple weeks before. They led that game 22-6 to late in the second quarter and let that one get away. That one's going to sting for a while in Frontier Cougarland. Frontier does have some losses on the skill side, but I talked to head coach Russ Morris about it a couple weeks ago. He thinks they'll be pretty good in 2020, and Mike Flannery knows that River is going to be good in 2020. He has a large crop, large chunk of his team, his young players. He expects them to step up and do big things in 2020. So this rivalry is not going anywhere. Uh, these are two good teams, and they're going to continue to duke it out in 2020 and maybe even beyond. Ritchie County rolled to a 66-26 win against Gilmer. They're going to probably roll again as they take on Calhoun County. Still playing without Gus Morrison and Garrett Owens. Trey Moss stepped up and had a huge game, 240-plus yards and multiple scores. They also got kick return touchdowns from Graydon McKinney and Caden Procasina. Moss, in fact, reached the end zone four times for Ritchie County. But again, they will go as far as they are healthy, and they got one more week to get that done. The result might not have been shocking, but I think the way that it came about was Parkersburg absolutely upset at home, 44-13 against Huntington. Huntington led that game 20-6 to at the half. The second half didn't get much better. I talked to PHS head coach Mike Bice about it earlier this week, and he said they just flat out were not ready to play. They just came out from the jump, and I watched film with the kids yesterday, and I rewound it a couple times. I said, we were okay until this point, and when we kicked that opening kickoff, I said, right there, then we were in trouble. I mean, we just didn't play well. I don't know. I take the blame for it. I mean, I'm the one that's supposed to have them prepared to play, and they weren't prepared to play Friday. That was obvious, so take all the responsibility off of their shoulders and put it on mine. I've got to do a better job getting them ready to go. That's PHS head coach Mike Bias. The Big Red's not happy with their effort at home against Huntington. We'll see if they can clean things up as they go on the road against Parkersburg South. Watch high school football live streamed wherever you are. Don't miss the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55 for great coverage of the area's biggest games. Join us Friday as Ripley hosts Ravenswood in the annual Battle for the Hatchet. Kickoff is set for 7.30 p.m. from Ripley. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55.com slash live. It's the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. Stay connected with us on Facebook, like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. 
Let's take a look at this week's poll question. We asked you, should coaches of West Virginia playoff teams be allowed to choose playoff sites, dates, times, or should all or some of those things be predetermined by the WVSSAC? Why or why not? Should coaches be allowed to choose playoff sites, dates, and times, or should all or some of those things be predetermined by the WVSSAC? Why or why not? We asked you, and 28% of you responded. 68% said let the coaches choose. 32% said no, the WVSSAC should pick. And this question comes up at a really interesting time because I go in right now in the middle of this week. I have no idea when I'll be doing a game next week, how many games I'll be doing next weekend, and where I'll be doing, or even at what level. And I say this because many of you know this about me, but not everyone does. In addition to my work locally, I also freelance. I'm the voice of the Notre Dame College Falcons in the Mountain East Conference. Their regular season finale is next Saturday, and I can't tell them whether or not I'm going to be able to do that game or not. That's a full season commitment, but we always run into this problem that time of the year. The playoffs are an issue, then I can't really say yes until I find out the Sunday before. And I like the idea of saying I was able to finish a full season, but I didn't get to do it last year because I had to give up an NDC game for a South playoff game. And it was really unfortunate. I wasn't a fan of that. And it could happen again this year. Or, depending on how things lay out, I could wind up with another game and get two high school games and a college game, depending on how the games lay out and what games end up coming on to V96.9. Because St. Mary's, Ritchie County, uh, those are looking to go on to a 93R. We have Tyler Consolidated in the mix on WXCR and Parkersburg South on V96.9. So all our company stations are trying to maybe squeeze this together and we could have four teams on three stations and depending on what time slots those might be played, I could be pressed into duty doing maybe Ritchie County you know, on a Friday or a Saturday night. So it's it's hard to tell. I would like to kind of go in knowing this and I would like to be able to tell my other employer in D.C. whether or not they'll have my services next weekend. It really helps with planning if you have some of that stuff determined. Ohio does it. Ohio pick sites and dates. For instance, you know what day of the week you're going to play and what time you can plan that ahead of time. Parents can request time off from work if they need it on a Friday, if they need a couple hours to get to a game that's farther away, as opposed to having to wait until the Sunday or Monday before and try to get the time off for the biggest games of the year, no less. So if it were up to me, I think the dates and the times should absolutely be determined by the WVSSAC, but it's kind of weird in West Virginia how it's done. In my opinion, I'm fine with the home field advantage. I love that those sites are on the home field because one thing I don't like about how Ohio does it is you get one game on your field and then you're playing neutral sites the rest of the way in the playoffs. So in West Virginia, you can host up to three games and that's based on your regular season work. If you've had a good regular season, you get rewarded for that. In Ohio, you play one playoff game at home if you're lucky and then you go on the road for neutral site games. And that's a lot of people on the road, a lot of unnecessary travel for a lot more people than would have to travel otherwise. So I don't like that element of it. I think that you should still get to host, but at the same time, you know, why not make class A one time, class double A one time, class triple A one time, or decide certain matchups are this time of the day, certain matchups are this time of the day, certain matchups are this time of the day. I don't know. But what's weird to me is that if you get to choose your time, why do you only have the choice of three different time slots? That's 7.30 Friday, 1.30 Saturday, 7.30 Saturday, and then for the week of Thanksgiving, you get 1.30 Friday as another option too. Uh, and that one makes sense because people aren't in school, it's deer season, there's a lot of people that aren't working either. So it's a choice that's not often utilized, but it's there if coaches want it. So if you're going to let them choose, why not let them decide if they want to have it at 4 o'clock on a Saturday? Maybe they want to have it at 4 p.m. on Friday after Thanksgiving. I don't know. I've always wondered why that late afternoon slot is one that we shy away from in high school football. But either way, I would like to see more, and, and for selfish reasons, I would like to see more predetermination of that because I don't like that I can't go to my other employer and tell them that I can or cannot work for them this week. And I imagine newspapers 
newspapers are in the same boat. If you're a newspaper in the Huntington or Morgantown area, you'd probably like to be able to allocate your resources, college sports versus high school sports. Who gets covered and how many can you cover? And if you know going in you have a problem, maybe you can make some arrangements and, and get some freelance help and, and, and figure things out otherwise. But there's planning and mapping there, and it works in other places, so I don't always see why those options exist. But either way, 68% of you said you're fine with the coaches choosing, and 32% of you said the SSAC should step in and pick. This week's poll is another interesting one, and one that's rather timely as well. Do you prefer to stay at home to watch or listen to high school games on TV, radio, internet, as opposed to attending them in person? Why or why not? I had an interesting conversation with somebody about this this week, and I'll share some of that next week on the program. Do you prefer to stay at home to watch, listen to high school games on TV, radio, or the internet, as opposed to attending them in person? Why or why not? I know radio and TV are often villainized for declining high school attendance, but honestly, I don't think we're the only culprit in that. And I think that there are a lot of other things to blame for why that attendance is going down or why that attendance has gone down. So I'm not going to try to completely debunk that argument, but I want to maybe offer a creative redirection, and I'll do that next week on the program. So again, do you prefer to stay at home to watch or listen to high school games on TV, radio, internet, as opposed to attending them in person? Why or why not? Yes, why wouldn't you? Or no, gotta be there. Before we move on, I want to go back and touch on one thing that happened last week in the Wheeling Park-Parkersburg South game. As I said earlier, Parkersburg South was driving for what would have been the tying score at the end of the second quarter when Brandon Penn was stopped a yard short. But away from that play, a Wheeling Park defender went down on the play and amidst the jungle of people running from one side of the field to the other and and, and going into the locker rooms and, and bands coming out, I missed one of the seminal moments of the game, and that was when Wheeling Park had a player down injured as a result of that play. And Devin Gaines for Parkersburg South attended to that player's injury and helped stretch his leg out until the athletic training staff for Wheeling Park, A, noticed that it was going on, and B, attended to their injured player. And it was a cool moment that our sideline reporter Randy Kinsolving was able to capture, and he described the moment as it happened. I didn't see it. I, I lost that in the sea of everything else going on. But another person that saw that was whoever was running the Ohio County Schools Twitter account or had access to it on Friday night, because they tweeted that it was a very sportsmanlike thing of Devin Gaines to do, and their tweet went somewhat viral. Screenshots of that tweet went somewhat viral in the Parkersburg South community, and there were a lot of folks on both sides of that matchup last week that saw that and heard about that and were very pleased by that. And I asked Parkersburg South head coach Nathan Tanner some of his thoughts on that particular moment. Anytime you have something like that happen, it's definitely a good thing. You know, obviously we're, we're playing the sport of football and we're trying to get our kids to where they're better football players, but the main mission is to help them become better people And, you know, I think that's a testament to just what type of person Devin Gaines is. Give credit to, you know, his family who he goes home to every day. And I give credit to all the coaches prior to me and anybody else who's coached him, taught him, what have you. But the people who have helped mold Devin into who he is have done an excellent job. It'd be a lot better place if, you know, the world was full of Devin Gaines. So that was a special moment. And it's cool that people took note of it and notice stuff like that happening. That's Parkersburg South Head Coach Nathan Tanner. And I had a conversation with Wheeling Park Athletic Director Dwayne Rogers after the Parkersburg South Wheeling Park game. And you know what I said to him, and I'll say it here, that was a good example of what high school sports ought to be. You had two really good teams in a fun game. It was highly competitive, well contested, clean, and at the end of the night, everybody shook hands, walked off the field, went their own separate ways. Nobody fought. I mean, there were hurt feelings because Parkersburg South had fallen from the ranks of the upbeaten, and high school kids are going to take that a little differently from one to the next, but it was everything 
everything a high school sporting event should be and everything that you'd want one to be. Both teams acquitted themselves well. They left the field and were very classy afterwards and even in the moment. So kudos to both Parkersburg South and Wheeling Park and kudos to Devin Gaines for knowing how to do the right thing, seeing what to do and realizing what the right thing was in the moment and then doing that thing. I don't think there's any question the games of the week in this area include that South PHS matchup. Parkersburg South comes in at 8-1 after the loss to Wheeling Park last week. PHS at 5-4 after their loss to Huntington. South, with a win, would clinch two playoff games. They've already clinched one, but they could host two weeks if they win against PHS. Well, PHS is already in, and they're not going to host a playoff game, but they're into the field solidly, and their matchup will depend on what they do and what everyone else does around them. Still a big rivalry game that everybody wants to win. I asked both coaches about these teams. For Parkersburg South head coach Nathan Tanner, he knows that the thing that makes PHS tough to defend is their effort and how well they execute. I think what gives folks fits is they're they're just dynamic and sophisticated in what they do. They run a, a plethora of formations. You know, it's it's tough to really prepare and dial stuff up against, you know, certain things because there's, there's such a wide variety in what they do. The singer kid, he's a heck of an athlete. They'll spread you out, and he, he can make plays with his arms, but he's very, very dangerous with his feet. When he feels pressure, he does a great job of stepping up in the pocket and making plays. And he, He's really fast when he gets out in open field. He's a lot like Brandon. He, he makes big plays for him. That's Parkersburg South head coach Nathan Tanner. PHS head coach Mike Bias says of Parkersburg South's running game that they've got to find a way at some point, at some level, for some length of time to contain or stop Brandon Penn. You can't let Penn run the ball on you all night long. If he does that, it'll be a long night for us because then they can do anything else they want to do. We have to try. I mean, we face several running quarterbacks this year, so that doesn't mean we can stop him. I mean, if we're trying to tackle him with one guy, we're in trouble because he can make one guy miss. Is that kind of the same principle in a, in a Devin Gaines, a big back that you're going to need to get multiple bodies to? Yeah, I mean, he and it's different kind of. I mean, he's not going right. to juke you. Gaines is a big load. I mean, we, you got to get multiple people to him and We've done okay against the run this year. I mean, I think that's been our strength, so we're, we're going to have to make sure that we stop them in the passing game, too. I, I don't think they'll run all over us, but they may very well do it. That's PHS head coach Mike Bias. Again, it's Parkersburg South and PHS. we got it for you on V96.9. Our coverage starts at 6 with countdown to kickoff. We're live at 6.30, and the kick from the Erickson Hall Sports Facility is set for 7 p.m. We also have St. Mary's and Tyler Consolidated on White Rock 93R. That one's not shabby either. St. Mary's, with a win, would earn a home playoff game. Tyler Consolidated needs a win to get into the playoffs. The scenarios say there's no other way they get in if they don't win this game. I don't know that we've had two better games on this season or in a while. This should be a fantastic weekend for us and for football in the area. And the other game I've got an eye on is the battle for the hatchet in Jackson County. Ripley and Ravenswood are both three and six teams, so they're not going to the playoffs. But when you have two teams that aren't going to the playoffs in a rivalry game, it has kind of a bowl game feel to it. So that'll be kind of neat too. And our friends at 1455 Media are doing that game. So keep an eye on that through their website and their Facebook page also. Again on Seven Ranges Radio, Light Rock 93 RS, St. Mary's and Tyler Consolidated, V96.9 is Parkersburg South PHS. Our coverage begins at 6 p.m. on both stations with countdown to kickoff, and then Metro News High School Game Night follows both games on those stations. Hey, download us on iTunes, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. You can also find us on SoundCloud as well. Thank you for supporting the pod once again this week, and next week it's playoff time. We'll have much more about the playoffs and the teams that are in. You'll hear from the coaches involved, so we have a whole mess of stuff coming for you next week. That'll do it. I am Eric Little. We thank you for listening to the podcast once again this week. Thank you for your support throughout the regular season. We'll talk in the postseason and enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.